Hey folks, Brian here. Before we get started, I just want to ask those who are listening who have not done so to please like, rate, review, and subscribe to the Confessions of an Arcade Addict podcast. And to those who have already done so, thank you very much, and please tell a friend. Now then, on with the show. This is episode number 24 of the Confessions of an Arcade Addict podcast. Um, not too much going on since I recorded episode 23 about three weeks ago or so. I mean, of course, the coronavirus has the entire world on lockdown, so no arcades are open. Uh, gatherings of uh, over a certain number of people are prohibited. Uh, the stay-at-home order here in the state of Michigan just got extended to the 30th. Um, so yeah, things are still kind of held up. Um, I see just on Facebook, um, Doc Mac does like a daily, uh, little diary thing, uh, from the Galloping Ghost Arcade, which he owns, and he's talking about, uh, the fourth wing of the arcade that they're going to add, and it's just ridiculous. I mean, they're up over 760 games now in the arcade, largest arcade in the world. Um, hopefully once all this craziness passes and things start getting back to a semblance of normalcy, you know, we'll all be able to leave our houses and go out and do the things that we normally do, except maybe we won't take them as much for granted because all it takes is something like this to take all of that away from us and then you know, we're stuck at home on the internet and, you know, binge watching Netflix and stuff like that. And only being able to go out for a walk or something like that because stores are closed, malls are closed, uh, movie theaters are closed, pretty much everything's on shutdown right now. So yeah, it's not the best of times for our planet, not just our country, because, you know, the rest of the world is in similar, uh, similar shape. So I plan on resuming my trips to the arcade in Brighton once things calm down and they get back to normal. Um, my job has, uh, cut my hours, so I'm coming home earlier, but aside from taking my son for a walk, there's not too much to do. So I've just been playing games, um, I'm still doing emulation, I'm still playing Battletech, I'm still playing, um, uh, Nova Drift, um, 
I found a website that actually has builds for the different types of firepower and shields and ship types and I found one that's actually really satisfying and now my high score on Nova Drift is just short of 500,000 but on the uh, website where I got the builds from somebody with the particular build I used got over 2 million but they even say once you get past a certain level in the game it just becomes RNG about uh, what boss uh, ships come out and how many come out and so forth and so on and you know it just you can just run into enemy fire or run into uh, another ship and then you're in all kinds of trouble so but that's what happens to me so um, but yeah I'm having fun with it um, I haven't played too much Battletech I'm gonna get back into that soon I just got back into Elite Dangerous because um, uh, they just put out a new beta which included uh, carriers uh, for those who don't understand what the game is Elite Dangerous is a uh, modern day version of a game called Elite released back in 1984 um, I had it for my Commodore 64 and so did all my friends and it was a lot of fun to play um, now you have a one for one scale um, rendition of the Milky Way Galaxy and that's over 400 billion stars so all so you can pretty much uh, build, you got to build yourself up. You start with a small ship, 1,000 credits, and you have to build yourself up and through trading and bounty hunting, and if you're so inclined, piracy, um, and so on and so forth until you are able to earn enough money to buy better ships, and you also get uh, rankings uh, through what you do, whether it's combat trade or exploration and also um the play the pvp aspect of the game there's rankings for that too let's see as of right now i'm a novice in combat i'm a uh pioneer in exploration which is only like i think one rank below elite ranking and elite ranking in trading um i was able to find a whole bunch of uh information about trading and I was able to get elite ranking and trading fairly easily. Exploration, it's a little harder, but I'm out, I'm also uh, undergoing a 20,000 light year journey from, they call it the bubble, that's where all the civilized systems are in the Milky Way galaxy, um, and going to um, outposts way out there in the galaxy like um, there's a place called Colonia, which has um, a slowly growing uh, um, society out there. And one of the things you need to do in order to um, progress in the game, you have to go out there at some point, And it's a long, long trip. I mean, 20,000 light years is nothing to sneeze at. Even if you've got a ship that can um, do hyperspace jumps at 30 or 40 light years a pop it still takes a long time and I'm just uh, achieving that trip in bits and pieces and little chunks here and there I mean I'm almost there I think I'm only like 2,000 light years away and I'm going to try and get it done and then there's a 
a thing called the Neutron Highway, where you basically jump to uh, neutron stars and you refuel your ship and you are able to overboost your uh, hyperdrive and you're able to get back to civilization much, much faster. Um, it's dangerous. It's extremely dangerous because neutron stars are just, you know, they will kill you in a heartbeat if you're not careful. And it's a lot of fun. But yeah, it's once you get to a certain point in the game, it's it can be really challenging. So um, in the game, uh, the release they just put out, they have carriers now which are these gigantic ships that um, you have multiple docking ports in and you can actually put a lot of your ships, if not all of them, into a carrier and then you can uh, hyperspace jump like 500 light years at a time then you have to mine a certain element to fuel your hyperdrive then you do it again and so forth. Um, what I'm finding out is, is that while it's in beta, um, the carriers themselves are horrifically expensive, like 5 billion credits. Yeah, that's a billion with a B. Um, just to get the carrier and to have uh, certain services and certain things on, the, you know, on your carrier, um, you could easily spend like, oh, what? There's a person I follow on uh, Twitch who was experimenting with getting a carrier and finding out how much it all costs and the maintenance costs are like a hundred million credits a week which is you know if you know how to mine for certain things or to trade for certain things that's not difficult to do but then it also then the game becomes completely something else i think they're probably going to have to uh lessen the actual uh uh, maintenance costs and upgrade costs for a carrier in order for it, you know people to want to do it because the majority of complaints I've been seeing they've they're all crying about how exp how ridiculously expensive it is so we'll see how that goes um, aside from that um, I started playing Black Desert Online um, which is an action RPG I'm still kind of figuring it out I only played it a couple of times but I'm going to get I'm going to keep playing it until at least you know the outside world comes back to normal and I can actually go places again so as always we'll see what happens um, I hope you guys out there are staying safe and you're self-quarantining and I know it's a pain in the ass and I know that it's driving you crazy by degrees but this is what we need to do right now especially in the United States and you know once things get back to normalcy they develop a vaccine and god forbid they develop a cure i was listening to a podcast um the eddie trunk podcast one of my favorites um and he was talking with somebody who's in the music business i think it was a concert promoter if i'm not mistaken and they were talking about how things uh how things were going to be once the all clear was given were people going to you know rush out in droves and go back to doing what the things that they're doing or were they going to sort of be a little more circumspect and a little more cautious dare i say paranoid because nothing like a a, a disease that is at the moment uncurable or a virus of some sort that can 
cost people their lives. There's nothing like that to uh, ramp up human paranoia. And there's a lot of that going around, too. You, I mean, you all saw it, and maybe some of you listening even participated in it, when everybody started buying up ridiculous amounts of staples in supermarkets and, and various stores to the point where these store chains had to come up with rules about how many things you can buy because people just went absolutely nuts and you know it was something that really made me a little bit ashamed you know to be you know an American or a human being even because when things get really things get tough this is how some people react <laughs> they go to a supermarket or store and they just buy up all the toilet paper and paper towels and various foodstuffs and things like that they don't buy what they actually need they go overboard <laughs> i was not happy about that but anyway enough of that um i did a quick check through um the emails there's nothing there and voicemails are empty um, like I've said, if you want to get a hold of the show, by all means, please do so. Um, the easiest way to get a hold of me is to email me at arcadeaddictbrian, that's all one word, at gmail.com. Also, there is a phone number for voicemails. That phone number is 734-743-2433. Also, we have a strong social media presence uh, out there. Um, there's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Tumblr. Um, it probably the easiest way to get a hold of me would be through, uh, Facebook because I'm on there the most, you know, just checking out things, uh, from the various groups I follow and also, you know, seeing what my family members are up to. Um, on Facebook, just search for Confessions of an Arcade Addict. They'll take you right to the page. There's also a um, page for the pod. You know, there's a Confessions of, the Ar- of an Arcade Addict podcast page. That's good for discussion uh, for uh, various things, uh, games, uh, episodes I do, any um, mistakes I make, and God only knows I make quite a few. Um, you know, just post it there. I, I look at that every so often, and, you know, I'm... I'm more than willing to correspond with you guys and you know we can build a little bit of a you know a social presence there also on twitter you can get a hold of me at arcade addict underscore b instagram is at arcade addict brian and tumblr is tumblr.com slash blog slash confessions of an arcade addict so you have multiple ways of getting a hold of the show if you want to and i would like you to because it gets a little lonely just sitting here uh, at my desk with a headset on and rambling about stuff that happened, you know, 20, 30 years ago, <laughs> you know, in some cases 40. Um, but yeah, so by all means, if you, you know, have anything to say, like I said, as long as you're nice, by all means do so. Okay, with all that out of the way, let's get on with the show. I've got a little bit to talk about here. It's not too crazy this time, um, but in a couple of episodes upcoming, I do have quite a bit to talk about, but not so much this time. But anyway, let's get on with it. Let's go to Top 10s. Top 10s, 1990. Okay, uh, at this point, I'm 21 years old. 
uh, the times, they are changing. Uh, with the closing down of a lot of, a lot of arcades and game rooms, uh, these were indeed the dark times in my hometown. Uh, Spanky's had just shut down in this year. Um, that was a very sad day. Um, we still had places like Arnie's Place out in Westport and Milford Wreck. Uh, but the opportunities to get to these places didn't come along very often. Uh, the majority of people I knew that used to go to arcades on the regular simply didn't go as much anymore. Um, I rarely saw Mark nowadays. Um, if I'm 21 years old, Mark, I think, is 25. And, you know, you know, our lives are a little bit different now. It's not like, you know, back in, like, 1983 when, you know, I'm, like, 14 years old and he's, like, 17 or 18, you know. So I didn't see him a lot. Uh, my best friend, Robert, uh, had a, a new group of friends to hang out with, so I hardly ever saw him anymore. Um, I did have a new group of friends that I was just getting to know. Um, we all would uh, gather at, um, mostly at my friend Matt's house. Um, Matt's family was really nice. You know, shout out to, you know, his father, Mark, and his mom, who her name escapes me right now, and I should be whipped for that because they've always been really nice people. Um, I can remember several times where it would be uh, like nine or ten of us in their house, in their in their uh, living room, uh, on their uh, not their living room, on their dining room table, playing D and D or playing BattleTech or playing Shadowrun, that kind of stuff. Or we'd be out in the the uh, backyard playing basketball. Um, <laughs> I'm almost embarrassed to admit to even cop to this but full disclosure uh there is a video of me on facebook where um let's see i think it was matt's graduation from high school if i'm not mistaken and uh it turned into a big family get together um and so it was me matt uh jason was running the camera and a whole bunch of people from the online community that we had uh, established um, we were all over Matt's house and, you know, there's a big cookout and, you know, we're playing uh, volleyball and basketball and all this and all these other things. And yeah, <laughs> Matt posted that video and I was just like, oh, my goodness, I am so embarrassed because God only knows I was talking a lot of junk that day. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, my friend Matt and my friend Chris, we would kind of be like the three musketeers or actually when it came to basketball, we were the bomb squad. <laughs> That's what we called ourselves. Um, so yeah, we would go and play basketball at various locations. Um, yeah, like I said, we'd go over Matt's house and play RPGs and every so often we'd go to Milford Wreck if we all had money or Matt had his, uh, dad's car and he had permission to, you know, use it. Um, sometimes if I, you know, paid for the Chris's gas and gave him like five, another five in tokens, we would go to Milford Rack and, you know, we, you know, have some fun up there. Um, but those opportunities didn't come along very often. Um, as I had stated before, uh, later this year, I would get a second job in the mall working at a key, uh, Nintendo kiosk and 
before that, I was there every day after work at that kiosk playing games with a bunch of guys that would also frequent the place, and we would have wars on like uh, games like Baseball Stars and stuff like that, and we would get to know the managers of the place. Uh, that story is forthcoming. I think that's episode 27, uh, where I talk about that in story time, so uh, stay tuned for that. Okay, let's get on to the top tens. Um, like I said, these are the games that I thought were the best ones in uh, 1990, so let's just go right to it. Um, Aliens. Of course, this was the game that w was in lockstep with the movie that came out in 1986, and I only played this a couple of times. Um, I'm trying to remember where I saw it, and I can't. I think Milford Rack had it for a little while. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was a really, it was a good game. I mean, it went right along in lockstep with the movie and it was fun to play. Um, not much, not as much fun to play as, uh, Aliens vs. Predator, but we'll get there. <laughs> uh, let's see. That's what, 1994, if I'm not mistaken? But anyway, um, Combat Tribes. Uh, this was another beat-em-up. Um, I think this one was by Technos. And uh, it was basically a three-player game, uh, so you could have up, you know, yourself and two other people, you know, fighting all these gang members, you know, to, you know, to beat the big boss at the end, so forth, so on. It's pretty typical of most beat 'em ups. Um, Mercs. This was a game by Capcom. This was like a a running shooter. It was sort of in the vein of. Uh, like Contra and like Commando. It's sort of like a combination between Contra and Commando. And it had destructible environments. And, you know, it was an interesting game to play. But, yeah, it just didn't really capture my interest all that much. I mean, I played it every so often, but it's not like I was throwing money at it. Like some games that I did uh, back in the day. Uh, Pit Fighter. Uh, this is a game by Atari. This is w one of the first um, fighting video games with digitized uh, characters. Um, of course, this is like one of the first because the, di the digitization is really bad. <laughs> I mean, it's really bad. Um, it, you had a choice between three different characters. You know, it's the typical thing. One is fast, but doesn't inflict a lot of damage. One's in the middle, and one is strong, but isn't very fast. That kind of thing. Um, I was watching a video, like, a couple weeks ago about somebody who went through the entire game, and, you know, I was just watching it, and I was just like, man, I can't believe how much money I threw at this game. Because, <laughs> yeah, I was, all, I was down with fighting games. I loved them. Uh, let's see, Race Driving. This is the sequel to uh, Stunt Driving. And now you have a choice between, I believe it's four cars, and uh, you have not only the stunt track, which was from the first game, but you also have, um, I'm sorry, you have a speed track and a stunt track once again, but because you're taking different cars, um, some handle really good, some are really fast, and then of course you have the one, you know, the ubiquitous car that came in stunt driving. Um, it was, I liked it. It was fun, you know, but, you know, I think I liked the original a little bit better. Um, but, you know, it wasn't bad. Uh, let's see, Raiden. <laughs> yeah, Seibu Kaihatsu. You know, this man is like the grandfather of the, uh, 
of the modern day uh, shooter. Um, yeah, this is a fun game. Um, I wasn't that familiar with it in the arcade. I didn't start seriously playing it until I bought a copy of Raiden for like $3 for my PlayStation 1, and I really started getting into playing it. Um, I still have my PS1, and I still have Raiden. Um, but yeah, it's the same, it's the same thing. It's sort of like, uh, Super, not Super Cobra, um, Twin Cobra and the games of that ilk. Same kind of thing. Um, just done a lot better with a lot better graphics. Um, it's a fun game to play. Uh, the entire Raiden series is, is, is a hoot to play. You know, even though it gets really hard really fast, like most Japanese shooters do. Smash TV. Uh, this is sort of kind of the sequel to Robotron. <laughs> um, the control setup is exactly the same. Two control sticks, one to move and one to fire. But this game has all kinds of cheesy game show elements to it. You know, basically you're in a game show and you're trying to earn money, uh, you know, while you're going through various uh, enemies and so forth. And the game gets ridiculously hard. The levels are ridiculous because some of them are really funny. Um, it's a lot of fun to play, but it can get, it can get a little frustrating because there's no... Uh, well, there's an end to it, but it, you have to be really, really good to get there. Okay, uh, Super Space Invaders 91. Um, this, of course, is in the Space Invaders uh, franchise, uh, developed by Tato. Um, this game is Space Invaders, but, you know, I won't say on steroids, but it's been given an adrenaline boost. Uh, the gameplay is a lot faster. Uh, the aliens are um, much more aggressive and much... And not not difficult to defeat, but it is, you have to be a little bit better than you were back in 1978, that's for sure. Um, it's a lot of fun. I mean, I love the game, you know, and it's a hoot to play. I play it in emulation every so often, and it's a challenge. It really is. Um, I mean, not only do you get points for shooting the uh, saucers that go across the top, but they also drop power-ups, which help you out. Um, and it, it's a it's a different take on Space Invaders, and actually, it's it deserves its place right along the original machines. That's for sure. Okay, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles two Turtles in Time. Um, this one, of course, is the sequel to the first game, which came out in what 1988, 88 or 89. I forget now. Um, but the gameplay is a lot smoother, a lot faster. Uh, the boss enemies at, end, at the end of levels are harder to beat. And, you know, it's just one of those games where it's much more fun to play uh, because it just seems to me that there, it's just there's just a little bit more to it and it makes it more fun. Um, the attack sequences of the turtles are a lot smoother, a lot faster, and they're... Uh, a lot of, uh, how, how should I say this, um, different uh, special attacks that go along with it. Like, the my favorite one, of course, is where you get in close 
uh, to an enemy and it looks like you're going to throw him but instead of throwing him to the ground you actually hurl him towards you at on the screen it's it's pretty freaky to look at but you know it's very well done very well done Konami did a great job with this game and finally and Rampart um, this one is a how should I put this um, I can't remember what the name of the game was, but basically it was like you had to angle your cannons. It's sort of like Missile Command meets Tetris. That's the best way I can put it. Um, you uh, you select a uh, different uh, castle. There are like five locations on a segment of land and you can pick one of those five and it builds a wall around it then you get to place your cannons and then you actually uh, shoot at incoming ships that are coming in from the shore that are shooting their cannons at you to destroy your uh, destroy the walls of your uh, castle um, it's a lot of fun I mean the rounds last maybe about 30 to 45 seconds a piece and then you do a ceasefire and then you have to rebuild your castle walls like Tetris because you get certain pieces and you got to make them fit in a certain way you know to you know build your wall back up so then you can go on to the next level and then you go on to another piece of land same thing and it becomes a little more difficult because now the incoming uh, ships have much more accurate firepower and so on and so forth but yeah it's not a bad game it really isn't uh let's see honorable mentions double dragon 3 i only put this here out of respect for the first two games because this game is terrible <laughs> compared to the other two it's terrible it's not bad on its own as a beat-em-up even though the action is a little stilted it's no nowhere near as smooth as the first two games in the double dragon franchise but you know, on its own, it's okay, but when you compare it to the first game, and especially the second game, which is my favorite in the franchise, it falls a little short. Uh, let's see. Final Lap 2. Um, this is, of course, the sequel to Final Lap. Um, the Now you are basically doing a more or less a Formula 1 season. If I'm not mistaken, there are, what, 12 tracks you have to beat? Um, first you have to, you know, qualify and then you actually go in the race, you know, you actually race and then you have to, of course, finish first to, you know, beat, you know, to win that Grand Prix and go on to the next one. These, this game, like I said, with final lap, the steering is really sensitive. It doesn't take much for you to send your Formula One car into a spin. And if you do that, that's pretty much game, game over. Uh, Michael Jackson's Moonwalker. <laughs> what do I? What can I even say about this game? I really wasn't into it when it was in the arcade because um, uh, the only place I ever saw Michael Jackson's Moonwalker was at in Arnie's place, if I'm not mistaken. I think, I think uh, the arcade at Connecticut Post Mall had it, uh, but I'm pretty sure. I'm I'm almost certain that Arnie's had it. I played it once or twice. It just wasn't for me. You know, I understand what the game was about, but yeah, I did, it wasn't for me. And then I played the Genesis version, and it still wasn't for me. But that's just me. Um, but, you know, I it was kind of revolution. The game was revolutionary at the time. You know, Michael Jackson's uh, legacy could never have been larger at the time. And, you know, 
when a video game comes out, yeah, that that pretty much uh, says that you're big time. You know, if you have a video game named after you, no matter if you're an athlete or a pop star or what have you. So, yeah. Um, yeah, Michael Jackson's Moonwalker. I mean, it's not a bad game. Like I said, it's just not 100% for me. So those are my top tens. Um, if you have a game in um, 19, a 1990 game that you think should be on this list, by all means, get a hold of me. ArcadeAddictBryant at gmail.com. Okay, let's move on to Are You Experienced? I'm too old for this. Hiding in front seats like a teenager. Oh, baby, I think I'm getting too old for this stuff. I'm getting too old for this. Listen, you was born too old for this. I'm getting too old for this. I'm getting too old for this. Lying wet arse to my heather chasing other men's cattle. I'm getting too old for this sort of thing. Maybe we're getting too old for this. What do you think, huh? I'm not too old for this shit. I'm not too old for this shit. You will not. We're not too old for this shit. We're not too old for this shit. We're not too old for this shit. like you believe. We're not too old for this shit. We're not too old for this shit. I'm not gonna buy a hemorrhoid cushion. We're not too old for this shit. Are you experienced? Exarion. Okay, this is a game that not too many people know about. Not a lot. Um, it's an, it's an interesting shooter. Um... I, you know, it's one of my favorite, it's almost like a guilty pleasure game with me because, you know, I'll explain it as we go on because we're going to go into, uh, we're going to go into pretty much, uh, descriptions of it, uh, especially I'm going to start with some, of course, some information from Wikipedia. So here we go. Um, Exerion is a video game developed and published by Jaleco. It was re you know, released in arcades on February 1983 and licensed to Tato for manufacture and distribution of the game in North America. The player controls a starship and must fire at enemies on the screen while avoiding projectiles. The game uses a pseudo 3D scrolling background giving a sense of depth and the player's ship has a sense of inertia while it's being controlled with the joystick. Uh, the game features uh, parallax effects and inertia simulation. The player shoots formations of bizarre alien amoeba, uh, egg-throwing birds, and uh, pterosaur creatures, as well as UFOs, while flying over the surface of a planet. The player has two types of guns, a slow double shot, which is unlimited, and a fast single shot, which has limited ammunition. Uh, let's see. Do, 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 do. Uh, the family computer version of the game is included in the compilation Jaleco uh, Collection Volume 1 for the PlayStation 2003, as well as the Game Boy Advance uh, game Jajamaru Jr., uh, Denshoki, Jaleco Memorial, along with five other Jaleco family computer games. The original arcade version was later released for the PlayStation 4 as part of the Arcade Archives label on October 23, 2014 in Japan, and on July 7, 2015 in North America. Uh, and also on the Nintendo Switch in the Nintendo eShop by Hamster Corporation as part of the same series. Uh, two sequels of the game were released. Exerion 2 Zorni was released for the MSX in 1984 alongside a port of the original arcade game. The second, uh, Exorizer, was released for arcades in 1987, which was re released in North America by Nichibutsu under the title Sky Fox. The player's ship, the Fighter EX, is a player character in Jaleco's game Tengoku series. Very interesting. Okay. Uh, let's see. My own 
experiences with the game are as follows. Um, the first time I ever played this game was at the Rexall Drugstore in the mall in late 1983. It's, e it's at least summer 1983, but I think it was towards the end. Um, it was like a mixture of Galaga, Gyrus, and Phoenix. Uh, the inertial uh, controls really mess, mess with me because I think that was the first game I ever played that had that feature. Uh, it looks nice, but as a wise man once told me, don't let the smooth taste fool you. <laughs> you have to have uh, pinpoint accuracy at times with your movement. And once you learn the secret scoring, uh, your fire as well, especially your fire. Um, I still play this game to this day in emulation, as I have not seen an arcade that has had it since I left Connecticut. Uh, I think I have something of a masochistic relationship with this game because Xerion is one of a handful ga of games that can beat me down, but I'll still keep coming back for more about it. You know, that's just how it is. Um, it's one of those games that, yeah, once you know how to play it, you know, it's sort of... I can't even describe the feeling. It's it's Zen. Somebody said it was like uh, a Zen kind of video game that you had to sort of get in flow with the game and not try to play the game, so to speak. And that's a difficult uh, mindset to get into, let me tell you. Um, but enough about that. Um, let's pivot right on into time for some strategy. And I'll tell you all about how to get good at it. Time for some strategy. Um, with Xerion, it's all about conserving your rapid fire and being very precise with your double shots while avoiding getting shot down. Um, the secret to this game is to rack up what I call the consecutive shot bonus. That means you have to hit your targets without missing. Uh, when you start the game, there will be a long line of enemies that come down from the top left of the screen. You position your fighter under them and, and dispatch them with either your rapid fire or your double shots. If you destroy them all without missing a shot, you get a bonus score of 400 points. Uh, for each group of enemies that comes out, uh, nailing them all without missing will increase this bonus and the bonus gets bigger fast. Um, of course, you need to dodge their shots and keep them from ramming you while doing so. Uh, it's easier said than done. Um, because sometimes uh, when enemies come down from the top of the screen and they'll go and go down to the bottom and you think they're going to wrap around and come back from the top again, sometimes they'll come up from the bottom and you may not be expecting them and they'll ram you and that'll lose your life. Um, I think you only get one free life in this game. I can't remember what score it is. I think it's 10,000 points, but I'm not 100% sure. Um, after several groups, uh, singular uh, singular aliens will start coming out. If you kept your shot bonus going, you'll see it increase even more quickly if you don't miss. You can miss one shot and the bonus will get cut in half and you have to build it back up, but if you miss more than one shot, you start at the bottom and you have to work up again, work it up again. Um, I was watching a video on YouTube where someone had almost 300,000 points within the first two minutes of his game just because he didn't miss any shots. 
um, he ended up with a score of 2.9 million, which is not too shabby considering this game can be really get hard and you're having to deal with the inertial controls which can mess with you until you sort of learn how to flow with it. You know, you kind of got to develop like, um, just develop like this smooth kind of movement that if you know where you're going to go, you can't like jam the stick in that direction. You just kind of got to ease your way around the uh, screen. It's not, it's not a very easy uh, um, uh, mindset to achieve, let me tell you. Um, after the singular aliens, then these huge aliens come out that require multiple shots to destroy. You take, take your time and take them out. Uh, from then, there are these ball aliens that come out. These are hard to hit because they move in an undulating pattern as they descend and move around the screen. Um, at this point, I abandon the shot bonus because uh, they fire semi-tracking pro projectiles and you have to spend a lot of your time trying to avoid them. And, of course, the aliens themselves who have no qualms about ramming you. Um, usually, I will use both double shots and rapid fire to dispatch them. Um, if you are good with your two, with your two-shot strategy, you can uh, have, like, 400 rounds for your uh, rapid fire. Oh, and also the other thing is, is that, you know, as you hit aliens, uh, your rapid fire ammunition goes up by one. And so that way you can really build up your stockpile and be able to use rapid fire when you need to. Um, okay, from that, from those huge aliens that come out, there's also a challenge, there's now a challenging stage like Galaga. Uh, you have unlimited rapid fire here, and the uh, aliens come out in formation patterns, a group of 10. If you blast all 40, you get more ammo for your rapid fire cannon, and from there, it action continues, but the enemies move and shoot faster. Um, knowing how to maneuver your fire fighter is extremely important. It's really easy to get killed if you're too slow to react or if you stay in one part of the screen. Um, avoid getting trapped and be patient when possible. You're not, you know, under any sort of time crunch. You can take your time as much as, as you want to to uh, keep your bonuses going because that's how you get your points. Uh, the more bonuses you get, you know, the higher it goes. I mean, I watched this that one guy on YouTube uh, he had bonuses in the 9,000s, um, you know, just by shooting enemies consecutively and not missing. And you just keep doing that, and yeah, you can rack up a huge score really quickly. Um, if, Like I said, if the aliens scroll off the bottom of the screen, most of the time they'll re reappear at the top to take another, another run at you, but sometimes they'll try to sneak you by coming up from the bottom. You know, a lot of that happens, and some of them have like these energy screens on either side of them, and they'll try to get alongside of you and eject the energy screen towards you. Of course, that kills you if it hits you, so yeah, be, be wary of that. Um, like I said, someone ga said this game is very zen, and I have to agree. You have to flow with the game to get the results you want. I mean, it's really hard of a state of mind to achieve, but once you do it, uh, you can play this game as long as you want to. Um, you know, the major thing you have to avoid is getting the urge to chase after enemies. Let them go by, 
if they come up from from the bottom so be it just avoid them but it, but most of the time they'll come back off back off the top of the screen you can take another run at them um like i said it's one of these games where you have to learn patience you have to learn to be able to say okay i can't go here because of the inertia but i can go here and maybe this will work for me sometimes it will sometimes it won't but it's a game that you, it takes a lot of uh, time to truly master. Um, my highest score on Exerion is like, what, 600,000 points or something like that? Um, I think I did that in emulation several years ago because I haven't seen an Exerion machine since I left Connecticut. And those are my tips and tricks to uh, uh, get good at Exerion. <laughs> be patient more than anything else be patient okay uh you have any tips tricks of your own um anything you want to share in regard to this game by all means get a hold of me arcadeaddictbrian at gmail.com okay and the last segment of this show will be arcade reviews so let's do this place in Westport, Connecticut. Okay, this is one of the arcades I used to frequent when I was a child and, and going into my teen years and a little bit into my 20s before I left Connecticut. Um, of course, when I did the arcade rundown in regard to this arcade, I mean, you guys know the story. Uh, the owner, Arnie Katz, was constantly fighting with uh, Westport City Council and all other town officials and until he shut the arcade down in what year was it what 1990 1995 i think i'd have to go back and look i think it was 95 um but it was long after i left to go to florida because i left in 93 um okay like i said when it comes to reviewing an arcade i have five criteria Location, selection, ambiance, functionality, and value. Um, location, pretty self-explanatory. Where is it? Is it easy to get to? Is there plenty of parking when you get there? Things like that. Uh, selection, uh, how many games do they have? Do they have a wide variety? Do they span the various decades of video gaming, or are they kind of focused in one particular area? Um, ambiance. Um, are there other things in that arcade aside from the games to draw your eye? Is there music? You know, is it you know is it uh, decorated well? You know, is there pictures? Are there uh, photograph? I mean, photo pictures. Are there paintings? You know, things like that to sort of draw the eye and sort of enhance the uh, experience. Uh, is the staff friendly? Are do they? Uh, listen to you if you've got an issue with a game do they do something to uh, rectify the situation or do they not care <laughs> um, things like that functionality um, what do the games look like 
how do they play um, when a game is broken does it, it take a long time for them to fix it um, you know things like along that that nature and lastly value um, do they run on tokens do they run on quarters do they have the free play option uh, if so how much is it how much is it to uh, to play the games and so forth and so on uh, like I said each of these criteria is rated 1 to 10 with half points coming into play okay so without any further ado let's get on with it uh, location I give this a 5 I could have gone lower but I think 5 is fair um, like I said when I talk about the arcade run in the arcade rundown Artie's was really hard for me to get to um, the I did a, uh, a view on Google Maps and the distance from my house in on the north end of Bridgeport out to Arnie's in Westport is 11 miles um, that doesn't seem like a lot but being a kid with little money uh, it might as well have been in New York City for all for all it mattered I had to if I went out there by myself I had to take two buses to get out there then walk for another mile or so from where the bus lets off to get to it or ride my bike for well over an hour um, it's on US 1 in Westport and it's relatively close to both Interstate 95 and the Merritt Parkway so because of that I have to give it average marks because it's on a major thoroughfare and it's close to uh, two major highways so yeah that's a five uh, selection seven uh, Arnie's had a decent variety of games and usually had newer games of the day um, it was in an average average size standalone building I think they had about somewhere between uh, 40 to 50 games um, it was a halfway decent it was a decent arcade it really was uh, ambiance I give that a nine <laughs> um, Arnie knew how to get people in the door that's for sure um, from the moment you walk in there you think you're in a casino from the uh, from the 60s or early 70s uh, it's brightly lit with incandescent bulbs everywhere you look uh, every machine is in a wooden enclosure and lined with more incandescent bulbs um, I think there was music playing over the PA if I'm not mistaken I think it was either a rock station in Fairfield or Norwalk um, the carpet was that kind that casinos would have too where you when you walked you felt yourself sink into it just a little bit when you walked around the place you know just for that I love the place I love going there when I could it's just getting there was tough um, let's see uh, like I said in arcade rundown um, if you look on my anchor homepage and you see uh, the picture of a guy playing a video game in a wooden enclosure and it, oh, it's pretty brightly lit and stuff like that and there's like a uh, a woman with a, a child in a stroller in you know in the picture that's Arnie's place that's exactly what it looked like um, okay uh, functionality 6.5 um, the games were in really good shape and they were and they worked pretty well but if one of them went down they stayed down for a long time that's you know kind of a a minor knock on the place I mean you know that's just how it was but then again I also understand getting video games fixed is an expensive prospect <laughs> you know just go talk to Doc Mac for five minutes he'll tell you um, let's see and finally value I give that a seven uh, Arnie's ran on tokens and they always did I wish I still had my uh, 
had a token from them when I used to collect that stuff, but that stuff got lost when my parents moved house after I uh, left in 93. Um, they ran on tokens. Uh, the usual uh, thing was 5 for a dollar and 25 for 5. I think they went as high as 6 for a dollar and uh, 30 for 5. I think that's as far as they went with it. Um, it was also located in the shopping, in, right in the shopping area of Westport. So you could actually leave, go get something to eat and come back if you wanted to. Um, the value was pretty decent. Uh, let's see. You add all that together, divide it out by 5, and the total score is 6.9. Um, that score is higher than how I thought it originally was going to be, but despite its relatively remote location, I have to give it high marks for the atmosphere because going there was different than going to almost any other arcade in the area with the exception of Milford Rack. Um, I would love to see this place make a comeback considering that arcades are in something of a renaissance in the United States, but... I know Westport, <laughs> and I know the people who live out there, and I saw I saw when I was doing research for uh, Arnie's place, you know, the lengths that uh, a lot of people went to to kind of get that place shut down, and it didn't help that, you know, Arnie Katz was a combative person, you know, on, you know, and of course that, it was going to end <laughs> eventually, and it was not going to end very well, but, you know. It still had a good run going all the way through the 80s into the early 90s before it got, before they shut down. <sighs> so that's Arnie's Place in a nutshell. Um, if you lived in you know the you know the Fairfield County area and you used to go there a lot, I know there are several people on Facebook uh, who are in the Arnie's Place uh, discussion group. A talk about stuff from time to time. Um, if any of you guys are listening, by all means, get a hold of me here. Um, drop me an email. Drop me a voicemail. I would love to talk about you know your experiences with the place because mine, you know, mine are colored a certain way, and I'm pretty sure yours are colored a different way. Arcadeaddictbrian at gmail.com. Okay, that's pretty much it for this short show. Um, looking ahead to episode 25. Uh, let's see, I talk about a, a barcade that's close to where I work. Uh, I talk about, I have another video game for our experienced and time for some strategy. I talk about, uh, I go into home systems, and there is also an on-the-road segment as well. So there will be plenty for you to listen to when I record my next episode. So until then, this is Brian saying have fun out there, good gaming, Stay safe, stay apart, let's get through this craziness, au revoir. This has been the Confessions of an Arcade Addict podcast. All music has been provided by Kevin McLeod. You can find his music at Incompetech.com. You can contact the show by email at arcadeaddictbrian at gmail.com or you can call and leave a voicemail at 734-743-2433. Until next time, you have been listening to the Confessions of an Arcade Addict podcast. See you then.